You're listening to American Girl Women with Laura Treader and Lindsay Adams-Franca. This is a podcast where two millennial gals gather around the microphone and reminisce on the cultural phenomenon that took our childhood by storm, American Girl Dolls. Contrary to what you might think, we aren't just talking about dolls here. We're diving into the high highs and the low lows of getting hooked on American Girl and all the childhood memories that come flooding back. So join us and a few special guests each week as we become American Girl Women. Today on American Girl Women, we are joined by Chrissy Accardi, a history teacher based in Glasgow, Scotland, who is also working on her PhD in social justice education. In her leisure time, you could find Chrissy running marathons, hiking, traveling, and toppling the patriarchy, while also indulging in all things cozy and putting her Dutch oven to work. Chrissy grew up in Haverhill, Massachusetts, where she loved hosting tea parties, playing dress up, crafting, and taking care of her dolls, which included Samantha, Josefina, Kit, and Biddy Baby. She loved the historic books, the catalog, and even attended an American Girl camp for a few summers in a row, held at her local historical society, which we absolutely cannot wait to hear the details of. So let's get this podcast started. Chrissy, welcome to AGW. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, this is like... This is a very important guest, I just need to say to our (laughs) listeners, because I, Chrissy and I grew up together for context for everyone, which she'll tell us more about her childhood, and I'm sure we'll do some reminiscing, but Chrissy and I were, like, playing with American Girl dolls, like, from the jump. It was a huge part of our playtime activities together, um, so I'm so excited to have you on the pod, Chrissy. So excited. So nice to hear your voice. I feel like we haven't seen each other in years now. I know. I know. I feel like tell our listeners where you're based because COVID's kind of kept us apart a little bit over yeah. the years. Yes. Yeah, so I'm in Glasgow in Scotland. Um, I've been here about five years. Um, and the last time Laura and I saw each other was like Christmas 2019. So yeah. right before <laughs> thing yeah yeah exactly our we didn't know it would be our last coffee in downtown Uh, Haverhill together (laughs) that's so sad (laughs) oh my goodness all right Chrissy before we get into all things AG please tell us what were you like growing up I was very shy very anxious all the time um and I could keep myself entertained for, for hours, just alone in my room. Um, I loved doing dress up and tea parties and um, doing crafts, um, playing with my dolls and baking. Um, I had the AG cookbook and I'm pretty sure that's where I learned how to make a roux. Um, and, <laughs> um, yeah, I just loved just being alone in my room and I always felt so safe and playing with my dolls and like a completely imaginary world no one could bother me no one could make me feel silly so yeah it was I was very shy but um like when Laura and I were together like we grew up together and we were always playing dress up and having tea parties and pretending we were the Spice Girls <laughs> and um, <laughs> I, I just always felt so safe in your company and felt like I could be my authentic self um, oh my yeah. god wait that's like such a sweet thing to say I Completely agree. I feel like we had some like really creative playtimes together yeah. as kids because we were like truly judgment free mm-hmm. zone. We, yeah. Lin- Lindsay, we have to fill you in, I guess. Like we did, we were playing like some very creative games. Like we, mm-hmm 
<laughs> Chrissy, do you remember that one time when we like suspended like microphones from your basement ceiling and like we took a video of ourselves like singing into them with headphones on yeah. like we were in a recording studio yeah, like we, were <laughs> we used to make videos all the time and put on little plays yes For, we would we wouldn't show them to anyone really either we would just do it and have fun like the process of putting it together was what was fun I think yeah, yeah. I remember growing up, like Chrissy was one of the few friends I had that had like a camcorder, like video camera. And we really were putting that to use a lot. We had like these little like movies that we would film or just like little like sketches that we would film. Um, a lot of stuff was done in the basement of yeah. Chrissy's childhood home, which was like a finished basement. Wow. Are these videos still in existence? I have no idea. If they've survived a couple of moves, then they might be. Yeah. I, it's like, that. I want, I want to see it, but I also but like, I also- <laughs> don't like, I'm scared of what what I would find. That's fair. I recently had, um, a couple of like old VHS tapes from dance recitals and school plays like turned into, I guess, digitized files. And I I feel the same. I'm like half horrified, half like real nostalgic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like, uh, there's definitely, I'm sure some gems and like we would, Wait, there was also one, Chrissy, do you remember the news one we did? Yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> we did one that was like, we were news reporters interviewing people. And the, the thing is like during that time, uh, Kelly, Chrissy's older sister was like too old to want to play with us, but we would yeah. like sometimes like rope her into being part of it. like like I'm pretty sure for the news one we made her like be an old lady and then like a goth teen or something it was was all the people we'd interview as like (laughs) witnesses or something or or, yeah I don't think she ever liked it but that is so funny it was was really generous of her to, (laughs) to contribute actually how many how many years older was she than you um I think she's two years older Two yeah. years older than me. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, we were getting we were getting very creative at various mm-hmm. points of our childhood in different ways, I would say. <laughs> yeah. We were definitely creative. We could entertain ourselves for for hours. Uh, that's Truly. so fun. Oh, and please tell the listeners how you two met. There's a really cute backstory there. Chrissy, you want to tell it? Oh yeah, our moms were best friends in high school and our dads are friends as well. And we just, I think it was just assumed we would be friends. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we have play dates all the time and sleepovers and um, yeah. Yeah, we were probably like for the first friends we had because we just, mm-hmm. I don't really remember a time of us like not being friends. And yeah. I think it's also important to note that our dads, had a friendship that was cultivated because they're both members of this men's only like Italian society called the Garibaldi club in Haverhill. (laughs) Um, My dad's going to be so happy that I shouted this out on the podcast. Um, But it's, it's like a, it's like a club for just men in the downtown of our town that we grew up in. And they're both members. And basically all it is, is like a bar. Um, 
where there's like sports on TV and like I think they like play cards sometimes yeah. too there but like that was basically how they sort of also cultivated a friendship at the same mm-hmm. uh well I guess like after our moms because obviously they didn't know each other in high school but um but yeah that's like their weird little niche club that they're both a member <laughs> yeah. of wow that's yeah, really that's a secret club it's <laughs> really interesting did you say it was the Garibaldi Garibaldi club do you know yeah. what do you know what that means is it named after Giuseppe Garibaldi Chrissy do you know I have no idea <laughs> I I have no idea either I'm I'm like I'm gonna call my dad right now on the podcast and ask him <laughs> I absolutely no. love that that's so interesting to like be a member of a club like in your adult life and that makes me yeah. want to explore a club yeah, it's kind of it's kind of weird that it's like men only, but to be honest, like there's absolutely zero temptation as a woman to want to go there. So <laughs> I'm like you can have it. <laughs> Do they ever have like family family nights or like family activities? Yes. There used to be Christmas parties when we were kids. Mhm. I don't think they do it anymore, but we would get Napoli's pizza. That's all I really remember about it. <laughs> yeah, there was like an upstairs like function hall. Like you could yeah. have you could have functions there. I think like did one of you guys have your first communion there, Chrissy? No. Maybe I think someone I knew had their first communion there. It was like a it was like a spot for like baptism, first communion, like those type of like functions. Um you could have in the upstairs um actually I think it was my neighbor that had their first communion there but anyway you could have it in like the upstairs function room um but like they did have like occasional family things like the Christmas party that Chrissy mentioned but I don't remember like going there very often it was always very like secretive I feel like <laughs> <laughs> yeah you need like a special card to get in the door and everything and the sticker on your car to be able to park there and it's it's very um not elitist but it's like um you have to be part of it to be yeah it's it's the opposite of elitist I feel like the way we've described it like listeners might think that it's like really bougie but it couldn't be further from that in terms of like the clientele and the aesthetic it's very like towny got it feel like we should get into the AG of it all. I kind of think I know the answer to this, but I'm interested to hear what you have to say, Chrissy. What is your earliest memory with American Girl and how old were you when you were first introduced? I don't remember how old I was, but I remember the first I remember about AG was my sister getting one for her birthday. And I think the reason it stands out so much to me is because we have a photo of her opening it for the first time and she's just so excited like hands in the air like like jumping up and down so excited (laughs) and I had no idea what it was before that she must have she was that excited to open it maybe it was something she she had asked for but I I didn't know what it was so that was like my first exposure to it and I think of that photo all the time I wish I could find it Um, (laughs) do you remember do you remember what doll she had I think it was Felicity was her first one. I remember getting my first one, Samantha, for it was definitely Christmas because I was I remember what I was wearing. I was wearing a green velvet dress, maybe five or six. I feel like I got my first one around five and I feel like you either already had yours or like got it very soon Mm -hmm. after because I feel like there wasn't a time when like I played with you where you 
where I had one and you didn't, I don't think, mm-hmm. but, but I have literally burned into my brain, Chrissy, a birthday of Kelly's. I don't think this was like her first doll. Cause I think she received Kirsten on this birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, but I literally have burned into my brain, a memory of Kelly opening a Kirsten. She, did she have Kirsten? She did. Or, yeah. So okay. maybe, maybe it was that. I remember she's wearing like a yellow top with like a, like she had like kind of had a scarf around her neck kind of, she's going to be so mad. <laughs> um, and it was like a Navy polka dot skirt. She is, I'm just like remembering that from the photo and she's just so excited about it. Um, oh my God. It was Day. yeah yeah like I remember because I remember feeling like overcome with jealousy <laughs> <laughs> so but I feel like and maybe it wasn't a birthday because for some reason I feel like we were like maybe outside for part of the day I don't know but like it's funny that you like bring it up because it was also a very like foundational moment of my American girl story as well <laughs> because yeah. I remember just being like so stricken with it um but wow. so you got Samantha mm-hmm. for Christmas and that was your first entry point. Mm-hmm. Did you like know you wanted Samantha ahead of time or was that kind of chosen for you? I don't remember ever asking for a doll or anything. I think it was chosen for me. I think it was a gift, a Christmas gift for my grandparents, if I'm remembering correctly. That's an interesting similarity between the two of you. Chrissy, mm-hmm. did you like ever, were you exposed to Laura's Samantha prior to receiving your own I don't remember I don't remember the timeline at all (laughs) yeah I don't remember either I also don't remember like didn't realize that um you also had Josefina because like we had I had Josefina too I don't think I realized we had two of the same doll and I don't remember us like mixing our Samanthas together like I feel like I I feel like I always brought over like a doll that you didn't have so that we could like Mm -hmm mix and match but um but Samantha was given to you by your grandparents for Christmas did you instantly feel like okay like I love Samantha I'm obsessed or were you like aware of any of the other dolls because like Kelly had them that like you were kind of like oh I wish I got something different or was like Samantha the exact right choice for you oh I loved her I loved that (laughs) period um and yeah I thought she was glamorous and like I loved her dress and like the bows in her hair and stuff like that like like I think I think I put bows in her hair like brown ponytail and that time period I thought was like cool and and then for the other dolls in your collection like how did you come to possess the other ones that you had um I had Josefina and I think I had Kit as well but yeah with Josefina I would never like do anything to her like I was so afraid I was going to ruin her um like her braid was so perfect I was like if I touch that it's never going to be the same um, <laughs> Laura um, could speak from yeah. experience that it would never yeah. be the same <laughs> um, I was very particular with Josefina and Kit whereas with Samantha I would I would change her clothes all the time and brush her hair and do things like like braid her hair or you know put it up in ponytails or something like that like yeah. I would she was she was much more durable to me than um, Josefina or Kit. Like they were very pristine and I was like, I can't get them dirty. I can't do anything with them or else. (laughs) Um, But I would have like, I would read to them and have tea parties with them and stuff, but I wasn't as frequently changing their clothes or trying to get them 
their hair messed up or anything. Yeah. Fair. Were you like a particularly careful child in general? Like, were you? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I feel like going to your house as a kid, Chrissy, like all your toys were like kept with such like care and your room was always really neat and like I feel like I brought over like my Josefina doll who was like bedraggled and like (laughs) I'm I'm sure like part of the braid thing was like a cautionary tale from my experience (laughs) my my Josefina's braid came out within like weeks of me getting her and then her hair was never the same yeah yeah Yeah, like I loved her earrings and her braid it all just like looked perfect I don't want to ruin this. (laughs) Fair enough. Do you know, do you remember like the age range that you received from like Samantha to Kit or even Biddy Baby, like what that age range was for you? I feel like I was around five or six when I first started. Yeah. I I actually don't know what age I was when I got Biddy Baby either. Um, Yeah. Did, did Biddy Baby like come after the historic dolls or where, where did they fit in? Yeah. Yeah. I think Biddy Baby came later. I loved my Biddy Baby though. I think Biddy Baby was probably my favorite of the dolls. Yeah. Uh, I just, I love taking care of her. And I just felt like it was a big responsibility to have a bitty baby. Um, <laughs> but I took it very seriously. Like I remember ironing clothes for my bitty baby. Um, wow. Such care. Care. <laughs> care. Like I would try to feed her on time and put her to sleep on time. Like I, I took it very seriously and like made sure like she was packed. And if we're going somewhere, I'd like pack extra clothes and, and things for her. And uh, like, I was, I was into it. <laughs> that, that is so adorable. Laura and I went to the American girl place in New York a couple months ago and we were just captivated by the bitty baby section. Like yeah. Laura, like grabbed two and held them like little, the little twin babies that they were. And <laughs> we, we were mesmerized. Yeah. As soon as you pick them up, like you're like, this is a real baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's something about like the way their bodies feel that yeah. as soon as I hold them, like this is a real baby and it's an extremely it's a full-time job being, yeah. a, being a mother to a bitty baby yeah. I took uh, it very seriously <laughs> Chrissy did yours have a name I don't think so I don't think she had a name I feel like I changed it all the time mm. like whatever I was in the mood for yeah I don't think it had a particular name but she was definitely a girl and yeah I love taking care of her <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the bitty bear that came with the bitty yes. baby? The cutest thing to exist. Just like I ever. I love the bitty bear. Yeah. <laughs> the bitty bear. And they, they came with those little books. So every outfit came yep. with like a little something for bitty bear and a book that went with it. And uh, oh, I loved it. Be still my heart. I feel like bitty baby is, or bitty bear is the unsung hero of cuteness. Yeah. Oh my God. Bitty bear is so cute. Like, we, Lindsay and I were so disappointed when we went to the store because they, I mean, they have like a cute, like little stuffed animal now mm-hmm. for Bitty Baby that's like fine, but it's no Bitty Bear. Like there was just something about like Bitty Bear's like little movable like arms and legs and like the yeah. little outfit. How could the people at American Girl or Pleasant Company or Mattel or whoever was in charge at the time like discontinue Bitty Bear? Yeah. Like what was that decision like? And I can only imagine there was like a couple of people in on that email chain in in the meetings just standing up for Bitty Bear, giving yeah. it justice and 
failing. <laughs> I don't think he went down without a fight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have to go find them somewhere. I feel like we still have all of them and Biddy Bear would probably be the, the most exciting thing to find oh. in that box. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. If you ever do come across your bitty bear at some point over the years, Chrissy, please keep us posted. (laughs) (laughs) Were you and your sister playing with your dolls together at the same time? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we would play together and, um, yeah, it was just like one of the main things we would do together. I think like play with our dolls. Yeah. It was very like, I don't know, looking back on it, it's very, like we were being socialized into a very specific version of womanhood. Um, right. But at the same time, like I loved it. I loved playing with my dolls. Um, but it is weird <laughs> when you think about it, just how normalized that is, I guess. Sure. Yeah, I think I like sent Lindsay a couple weeks ago um like a picture from like the catalog or something or like I got an email from American Girl that was like, a washing machine for Biddy Baby and I was like is this like a fun toy like we're gonna like act out like a household chore <laughs> like it's basically like mostly like a female like mm-hmm. unfortunately I mean like it's obviously things are changing but like very right. like f- like female centric work in the home is gonna be like right. turned into a toy for young kids and I don't know I was kind of like surprised American Girl is like obviously very progressive in terms of a lot of things, but I was kind of surprised that like this was a toy that they were offering. Um, So I have complicated feelings too about like how I was like playing with these toys growing up, but I think like Mm -hmm. there's something to be said for like the fact that I really like, you know, like you were saying about Biddy Baby Chrissy, like you like wanted to like take care of her like it was like a big responsibility and I wonder like if I or like if any like kids playing with Biddy Baby today like play with them in the same way that we were sort of like socialized to do yeah I don't know because I feel like we were encouraged to do that um Mm -hmm. like you're told you have to be gentle with it just like if if you you know if you met like a new baby in your in your life or something like right a grown-up to like gave you to it to you to like hold or something they'd be like be gentle and and you know be nice and all that and like I feel like dolls were talked about in the same way kind of um when we were encouraged to be to be careful with them and yes definitely gender socialization when (laughs) when you think about it um but again I, I wasn't really exposed to anything else either so I did love it but I also didn't really know anything else sure yeah I feel like all three of us right now like definitely were very like girly girls for like at least part of our childhoods because of like the way like that's just like the way my mom was gonna raise a girl like my mom was not into like sports (laughs) or like anything like that which like Chrissy I feel like you're laughing because you're trying to picture my mom doing sports and it would never happen um but like that was just like the way that my mom wanted to raise me I feel like and I feel like in a lot of ways like I would do a lot of things similarly but a lot of things differently knowing now that like you know like there are so many other options for girls to play with um right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and I mean even just jumping ahead to talk about like the books a bit like Mm -hmm. that was so much of like the context there as well 
like and going into the different time periods that they were focusing in on and the ways that women moved in the world, you know, in the 1800s, 1700s, early 19th century, like they were focusing in on more of those traditional roles. Like we don't really see anything outside of that, maybe a little bit with Molly's family with her father Mm -hmm. at war, but that was, you know, under wartime circumstances. The the dolls and the concept behind AG are, they're really inclusive and representative. And like, I give the company a lot of credit for that um, because at the time there wasn't much else on the market mm-hmm. like that. Like with history, you know, being told through the eyes of young girls and being directed towards young girls, there wasn't much else like that. But at the same time, the dolls themselves, the stories are also kind of, like shoehorning young girls into a box of like what what society expects us to grow into I sure yes yeah, so like on the one hand the company is quite progressive but at the same time they're still kind of reinforcing these gender-based expectations right and yeah and per- perhaps it's you know changed a bit with girl of today um mm-hmm. and some more of the more recent historical characters maybe with courtney 1986 mm-hmm. that's changing because I mean they couldn't realistically assign Felicity or Samantha like anything outside of what you know their time period was able to give Felicity wasn't going to become an astronaut or engineer you know yeah <laughs> they had to keep it yeah. <laughs> realistic yeah, I think they, but I think they kept them quite realistic um, and it, mm-hmm. it does show like in the dolls and in their outfits and stuff like that a lot of research has gone into you know, making these dolls. And see, the company deserves credit for that, I think. Um, yeah. The, book, the books could use some more nuance, I think. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's like, it's pros and cons, right? Because like on the one hand, learning about history in school, like women are mm-hmm. largely excluded from like history lessons. So on the one hand, it's like, oh, we are learning about history from like a, a woman's point of view or like a young girl's point of view in this case, which is amazing. But it's like, Unfortunately, like, especially around like certain stories, like I find like Samantha's to be like very like gender defined. Um, I feel like kind of Felicity's too. It varies from mm-hmm. book to book. Like, yeah. But because they like wanted to stick with that accuracy, like there's also a lot of like hard truths, I feel like in those books <laughs> that you kind of are exposed to yeah. at a young age. Like, I feel like they don't make it they're not like shy about like showing like the limits basically that were on these girls as well like just given the time that they came from but I'd be very curious to like read some of the newer books and see how Mm. they're portrayed you know like because they have like a doll from the civil rights era now and a Mm -hmm. doll from the 70s and I'm I'm just curious to see like if I could like read a more recent one and then like a newer one and see like how they stack up in terms of representation definitely (laughs) not to like go right to a question that's very gendered but Chrissy do you (laughs) do you have a favorite outfit you remember from your dolls I I feel like I didn't have a lot of outfits like historical outfits for the historical dolls but we did have a figure skating outfit and I remember it so vividly um it was like deep purple with really scratchy sparkles on it um, I've seen that oh, it's, just, yes. it's such a specific feeling like I can feel it in my hand right now and I was like super into 
the 2002 Salt Lake Olympics with like um, Michelle Kwan and Sasha Cohen and um, Sarah Hughes, all that like figure skating. And I just thought it was so glamorous and I loved this outfit. And I think Kelly had the human version of <laughs> this outfit, um, but yeah, that was my favorite like doll outfit. Um, I just thought it was like sparkly and fun and you could like twirl the doll around and it was like, like it was just like a cute dress. <laughs> um, did every, that. did every doll get a chance to wear that or was that only <laughs> for one of your dolls? I feel like Samantha wore it the most, um, <laughs> but yeah, oh, it was so glamorous to me, I thought. And like, it was I feel like it would be very uncomfortable like to actually wear something like that because it was so like the, the texture of the fabric was just so scratchy. <laughs> but um, it was, oh, I just thought it was glamorous. <laughs> that I mean it was it was I've seen that recently and it is beautiful we'll post it on our Instagram to correspond with this episode so everyone okay. could jog their memory of it but it was it was beautiful and there was the girl size version and I remember in the catalog it was the purple figure skating outfit and then like a pink leotard for ballet and okay, the two yeah. together just looked uh, stunning. And it had that little like pin, like the AG logo pin that you can, I think it was detachable on the collar of the ice skating outfit, um, for the girl oh, size, at least. I don't know if they had it on the doll size one, but, mm. um, so this is an interesting thing that we talk about with our guests to see like how they were interacting with their dolls and the outfits. So mm. you had some girl of today outfits or more current outfits, like figure skating, and you were putting it on your historical dolls. Like we like to know if like when you're playing with your dolls, if you kept it more true to the time period or were interacting with them in modern times. I think it was more modern times because um, I didn't have a lot of historical outfits or accessories or anything. So they were, they were doing activities like they were going figure skating. And uh, <laughs> I think we had like a skiing outfit. Like they were, they were doing stuff. Yeah. Or having like tea parties or something. And, but they, they were very much modern modern times yeah <laughs> I don't really remember <laughs> playing with them like in their time periods yeah mm, like sticking to like a historical narrative was not no, really I, I didn't yeah between you and your sister it seemed like you had quite the collection so yeah. it's kind of hard to even stick to one time period or like how they would all yeah. interact together yeah definitely yeah I don't think we ever stuck to a time period um, because that would be very, that would be very challenging. <laughs> <laughs> very limiting when yeah. I, think, I think between you and Kelly, you guys had like six of them or something, right? I think we had the, the six historical, like original historical dolls. Oh my God. What a collection. Yeah. And we Truly. still have them. They're, they're in a box somewhere. I think Kelly has them. So we have to, we have to go through that. Next oh my time God. Yeah. yeah. Seriously. The next time you are in Haverhill, I don't care where I am or what I'm doing. <laughs> if, if Kelly is open to searching yep. for the American girl dolls, I will literally drive to Haverhill and <laughs> look we'll, through We'll them. make a day of it. We'll have a tea party and go <laughs> through exactly. all the dolls. <laughs> Listen to the sound of music soundtrack. <laughs> exactly. Set up the microphones hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do a little recording studio. Yeah. Chrissy, I feel like our listeners need to hear about the bunk beds that you had for your Oh daughter. my goodness, the bunk beds. Yeah. So I think my mother made them. They're bunk beds for the dolls. If she didn't make them, she definitely like stained them. 
like the dark color they were and, and sewed the um, like a little mattress and, and comforter for them. Um, Cause we didn't have any of the, the AG furniture or anything. So we had these, my sister and I both had um, a set of bunk beds for our dolls. And that's where my, my bitty baby would sleep on the top bunk. And they yeah. had a fight for the other, for the, yeah. for the, bottom the other bunk. ones would go on the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> um, All three of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they, I don't know where the, those are, if they survived the move out of that childhood home or not, because we weren't using them at that point. So I don't know if they, they were gifted to someone else at that point. Yeah. Those were iconic. I think those bunk beds. Definitely iconic. I remember being so like taken with them when I would come over to your house and play um, because they were so unique. And like the American Girl catalog like had beds and stuff in it that were cool. But I always thought that your bunk beds were kind of cool because like they weren't from the catalog. Like they were like a handmade piece, which is awesome. Yeah, Um, Yeah, that's really special. Should we get into the catalog itself? Chrissy would love to hear about your experience with the catalog. I loved coming home from school and seeing the catalog on the on the kitchen counter. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like the catalog is such good, like it has such good reading material in it. Like they they set up these stories, these narratives. Like I know they're trying to sell you stuff, but like you could learn so much about the girls the dolls like through the scenes that they would set up and right. I just loved pouring over all the details and everything like I loved it right uh, even even in like the um like descriptions of yeah. items to purchase like I feel like those were just other little nuggets of information to learn yeah. and like to add to your memory bank about these historic girls yeah. yeah you could learn so much about their personalities and what their time period was like just by looking at the catalog and I loved, I loved looking at it, especially the Christmas one. Like when, when the Christmas catalog came, like you knew it was officially time for Christmas, (laughs) like maybe like late October or something, but you know, coming. Yeah. Yeah. I remember like just having the experience of looking at the catalog was like almost as good as having the dolls. Like, even though like we weren't probably like getting every single thing we like picked out in the catalog or like marked or whatever like you almost didn't need to because going through the catalog in and of itself was like so special yeah right (laughs) how are you dividing the catalog between you and kelly like were you fighting over it like you got to see it first you got to circle things first we took turns i think um i don't remember ever fighting over anything and i I don't think i ever like circled things in it either like i wouldn't again wouldn't want to mess it up <laughs> like, like <laughs> his hair or something it's like I don't want to make marks on it or anything um, we, definitely, we definitely kept them too um for a while like we'd have a stack of them just kind of if go you, through at your leisure <laughs> if you still have them you can make some good money off of them on ebay oh, really? oh my god I no. <laughs> I bought one I bought like the cheapest I bought a couple of them at like the lowest entry level and like the most um, are the least expensive were like 30, $35. Oh, wow. Like they are pricey now. That's yeah. good. Stuff. I wonder if we still have any of them. Lindsay got me two catalogs for my birthday. Um, a very special gift that I thoroughly enjoyed. Chrissy, was there anything in the catalogs that you really wanted, but didn't have? I don't think so. I was quite content with my collection, like the dolls, especially. And then like, we had a lot of 
we didn't have a lot of like clothes from the catalog or anything. We had a lot of like off-brand AG doll clothes that were more mm-hmm. like modern clothes. Um, so we had a pretty good collection of that stuff, I think. But like, I always loved looking at everything in the catalog, but like, I don't ever really remember asking for any of it. Um, I just like looking. <laughs> yeah, fair yeah. enough. That was, it was a hobby, similar, yeah. <laughs> similar to my experience as well. Like I was obsessed with everything, but I didn't have a ton but the catalog itself was just a joy to look at. Yeah. Oh, so like just coming home to school from that, like coming <laughs> home from school to that was just, oh. Honestly. Good day. Yeah. <laughs> honestly. Well, highly recommend checking out the catalogs um, from this Flickr account where yeah. Lissy and Lily so graciously uploaded um, maybe eight or so catalogs throughout the years and really just yeah. diving into them. Shall we talk a little bit about the books yes the books I've been listening to I listened to all the original historical dolls all their all their books look like the collections recently so I'm I'm ready for this chat (laughs) oh my gosh so upon your re-listening or Mm -hmm. like I guess the first time you probably read them and didn't listen to them but upon your revisiting (laughs) I guess of the books was there any series that stood out to you more now that you're older reading them than maybe when you were a kid I really liked Samantha ones I think because she was my my first doll and I, I really liked her time period and everything like I still liked that series um I just remember like the first line in the first book is about um how Eddie is making fun of her because she can't climb the tree or something mm-hmm. and I instantly like so many memories just flooded back to me and I was like I remember everything about this book and like how she ripped her white tights and like I used to wear white tights and I didn't know how to climb trees and I was like I just like connected with it so much um I feel like like children are always like in stories and stuff they're always like climbing trees and we never did that so whenever I would read about it I was always like am I supposed to be climbing trees like I don't I don't know how to do that and it's then when quite Eddie dangerous. Would fun, yeah. And Eddie would make fun of Samantha for not knowing how to climb trees. And I was like, well, I, I don't know how to climb trees either. <laughs> but um, yeah, the Samantha books are definitely um, my favorite, I think. I think the books in general, like they don't have a lot of nuance. So like from a historical perspective, um, looking back on them, they're not as great as they could be. Um, I think they could use some revision, definitely. But um, they do cover some really big topics. Um, and they're all from the perspective of, of headstrong young girls, which I think is great. Um, like the Meet Samantha book alone addresses race, class, and child labor, which is a lot <laughs> to cover in one book. Um, they don't do it as effectively as they could, I think. And I'm coming at this now. Like I'm a history teacher now, so like I, I can you know see this more clearly uh, now than I could when I was nine. But um, I think like exposing like being exposed to that at a young age, you start to like internalize it and think of like how they're telling the stories, thinking of that as, as normal and kind of taking it at, at like face value, I guess. But when we look at the books, we need to think about who's being included and who's being excluded, whose story is being told, whose story is being left out, um, who's being foregrounded or backgrounded or silenced and who gets to speak, who gets spoken for. So looking like through that, like looking at the books through that angle, the books, and it it tends to be all of the books, history is being told through 
the eyes of young girls who already have a leg up in society um, for the most part. Um, so like uh, Molly, for example, like her father does go off to war, World War II, but he's a doctor and he's in England. Um, mm-hmm. So pre-war, they had a pretty good life and they know he's in England. They know he's not like seeing battle or anything. They have a full-time nanny. Um, so things like that probably weren't the norm at that time. Um, they were definitely you know, higher up in society. And same with Samantha. Um, she clearly holds a pretty high social status in society as well for the time. So the stories are being told from a fairly privileged point of view, I think, and that needs to be recognized. And then another thing I noticed reading the books is that they all tend to reinforce gender roles. So like one of the whole plot lines of the Felicity books is that she's training to be a housewife, mm-hmm. um, has a conversation with her mother about, you know, her mother is all excited about Felicity training to, to be a housewife and how great that is and everything. And, um, you know, right. Mrs. At, Merriman, at age 10, at age 10. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Mrs. Merriman doesn't even have, doesn't even have a name in the books. She's never given one. Wow. Um, so that's something to think about as well. And then Kirsten's books, are reinforcing gender roles on the farm and things like that. Every character kind of sticks to these predetermined roles and nothing really strays from that. So I think it's important to be critical of stuff like that. Going back to the Meet Samantha book, um, saying it, you know, it talks about race, class, child labor, um, and it doesn't do that in the most effective way because like Samantha is in a fairly privileged position. and she's learning about all these things because she never had to experience them. So she's learning about like factory conditions through her friendship with Nellie. So we're learning about it kind of secondhand through Samantha learning about it through Nellie. So Nellie's kind of being spoken for. She's a secondary character in the story and she's kind of there to serve Samantha in a sense, to serve like Samantha's not experienced what Nellie has. So I think it would be a bit more inclusive maybe Nellie had her own series or something like that where she's the main main character and we're learning more firsthand experience from her if that makes sense yeah no it totally does and I think you're bringing up a really valid point that's relevant to the way that people educate or are educated about you know representation and um inequities and stuff today Mm -hmm. which is that like a lot of times we put the responsibility on the less privileged party to Mm -hmm. educate us and I and I think that the books really have that as an element because like you know like you were saying like Nellie's story is serves the purpose of bettering Samantha um it's not really about Nellie it's about like how did Samantha change when she got an understanding Mm -hmm. of you know Nellie's experience so the character really is there to almost just like serve as the education point for the Mm -hmm. more privileged character and I think that that is present also like in other books like I'm thinking of um, Kirsten's book Mm -hmm. which like has Native American representation but I think that that character is also serves a purpose to help educate Kirsten Um, and it's just very interesting to me I guess that like then when you have like 
characters in the series that do like have their own stories that are you know not just like your typical like white young girl in history so you have like Addie's story and you have Kaya's stories like those were always I feel like stood out to me as different from the other books because they felt like so much more I don't know how to put it like the other books, like, yes, they all went through their struggles, but for some reason, like, I feel like the Addie stories and, like, the Kaya stories, it's like, no, but these are, like, real struggles now that yeah. we're talking about. These aren't struggles of, like, you know, tangential to, like, your privilege, like, you maybe knew somebody who went through something. Right. They're, you know, a first-person exposure to actual issues. Yeah. Um, I never read Kaya's stories or anything but I was doing some research for this and um learned that the Kaya doll is the only one that doesn't show her teeth and that is because in her tribe it's seen as a a sign of aggression Mm. so the pleasant company had to essentially create a different mold in in making this doll which I think shows that like there's an effort being made and there is research going into the dolls themselves which is great but the stories themselves um aren't as representative or inclusive or they're not they're not being told in a way that's as representative or inclusive Um, yeah yeah so like felicity for example slavery is big it's, it's a big thing at that time and it's it's a hidden yet not so hidden topic in Felicity's books. So Rose and Marcus are enslaved by the Merrymans. And as characters in the books, they're always silenced or backgrounded. Um, Their voices are never heard. They're always spoken for, but they're there. And that's normalized that they're just like in the background. And then Felicity's grandfather owns a plantation um, or a forced labor camp. That's, you know, a more appropriately you know, term for it, more appropriate term for it. Um, Mm -hmm. That's never addressed in the books. They talk about, you know, going to the plantation or, um, you know, being there and stuff, but it's, it's never talked about like who's doing the work and stuff. And it's just normalized. And that I think is, it's something that, you know, the authors of the books could have done something a bit different with that because there, at the time, like there was an abolition movement happening at the time. Like, it's not like, it's not like it was something that didn't exist back then. Um, sure. So to tell the story in this way, um, I think is a bit unfair. Um, and it kind of teaches young people today that, you know, oh, it was normal for people to have plantations. And it was um, it was kind of an accepted thing, but it, it definitely wasn't. So seeing that narrative would have been, I think, a bit more a bit more effective, I think. Right, absolutely. I, I fully agree with that, especially, you know, growing up, Felicity was my doll of choice. And I definitely recall reading her books. And when I started reading Addie's books, like it definitely gave me a pause to think that, um, you know, Addie's story and her escape from slavery is so prominent. And yet in Felicity's narrative, it's just, just normalized, you know, there's not really mentioned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of have to put it together yourself that right. Rose and Marcus are enslaved. So you have, you kind of have to put that all together yourself, um, which I did a few weeks ago reading them now, but you know, back, <laughs> back when I was reading them as a, a young person, I don't think I would have. Right. Um, right. And yeah. even, I mean, these, these books were written in 
I don't know, the eighties or so early nineties, but Mm -hmm. they had even come out with movies and Laura and I had rewatched a lot of the movie series and Felicities, which was filmed in like the early two thousands. Um, again, does not address slavery in any way, even though, you know, they visited their grandfather's plantation, um, in the movie, like they could have definitely, you know, updated the story. That feels like an opportunity that they just kind of passed on. Right. Yeah. Right. Like they didn't, they, it's like clear that they didn't want, they wanted to make like the revolutionary war, like kind of the focus of her story, which is like, okay, like that's kind of like the easiest thing to talk about when you talk about Mm -hmm. that time period, because it's something that we all learn about in school. It's like very ingrained into our brains already. Um, But yeah, like it really, it really ignores a lot of other really important historical details that were taking place around the same time. Um, But it's all relevant to like, you can't, you can't have, you know, the American revolution without thinking about the context in which it took place like right. slavery was a part of it and it was happening at the time and you can't leave that part of the story out so yeah it's it, there's not a lot there's not enough nuance in the books I think yeah um, but one one thing I do like about the books is that looking back section at the end um not all the books have them but most of them do and it it just kind of it's a space to kind of like pick out little details in the book and explain like what life was like back then, especially for young people, mm-hmm. um, and, like what their experiences would have been like, but the, the Molly one, <laughs> um, to me, that's, it's just like very patriotic and a bit, um, yeah, there's no nuance in it. And it was like, everyone, <laughs> everyone was in it, like in the war effort and how, how great it was to kind of like unquestioned, be unquestioning about things and uncritical of things. And it was, a very patriotic looking back section in the Molly. Books. Yeah. Very uh, propaganda esque. Yeah. Yeah. It was selling something. <laughs> I think that, I think that the Molly whole Molly like universe is actually very much like pro United States nationalist propaganda. Yeah. If we really look at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm so glad we were able to have this conversation because not everybody that we've been able to speak to on the podcast has had as much of an interest in the books as you have, Chrissy, and also giving it that historical um, eye as well, I think is something that like we've been really dying to get into. So this was like an amazing like deep dive into the books um, for sure. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed um like listening to all the audiobooks recently, um, just like out for a walk or on my way to work or something, just listening to them. Um, and like picking up on all these details, like oh, that that's um, you know, these could be better in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, right. And how how much it jumps out at me now, whereas, mm-hmm. you know, as a young person, it probably wouldn't. Um speaking of as a young person, um, and speaking of history, I think we definitely need to hear a little bit about something that you detailed in your um, questionnaire that we sent you, which was an American Girl historical camp that Uh. you and I both attended (laughs) when we were kids, however, not at the same time. Um, And I've I've talked a little bit about my experience with this camp on the podcast, but I would love to hear 
a little bit from you about this historical camp that was in our town when we were kids? Um, so you know, we were before we were kind of talking about how like I loves you know taking care of my dolls and like I ironed their clothes and all that stuff. Like it was very domesticated very early on, um, and I loved this camp. Like we would learn how to sew and we'd cook and stuff and play that we'd play like games outside with the hoop and the stick why is that the um, only thing I remember doing yeah. at the camp? <laughs> um, I I loved that and it was a it was a week in the summer that I always looked forward to <laughs> but it was weird like looking back on it it was weird like do you remember what the camp was called Well, I didn't remember, I don't know if it was called this when I went there, but I remember when you went that it was called Act Like a Lady. Act Like a Lady. It's (laughs) cringy. Wow. Honestly, like, it's so fucked up. It would never fly today. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It wouldn't fly today. I don't know what they were trying to, like, sell us, but, like, it wasn't an AG branded thing. So, we I think we like the girls who went we brought that element to it but yeah it was we were learning about Victorian times and we went one one time we went on a walk around the neighborhood to like look at the Victorian homes and stuff (laughs) it was I love it was was weird like it was a weird thing (laughs) but I looked forward to it and um yeah I don't think something like that would fly now which is great um like things have definitely changed but yeah, that was a weird thing to look forward to. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think like we both like treasured our experiences with it. But oh, sim- yeah. similarly to the books, it's like hindsight is twenty yeah. twenty, And when you look <laughs> right, when you look back on it, you're like, oh, that was kind of weird. But I think it's also interesting about that camp is that it was so tailored to girls. Like there was no nuance at all to like that it was a camp for girls. Like I, I went to like other camps as a kid like one was like a nature camp where we would like catch like frogs and like turtles and whatever. And that obviously had both genders because, you know, like there's no like set rule that says like, you know, girls can't do this. But for some reason, like the other camp that we went to is like, no boy would be caught dead at that camp. (laughs) Um, Which like like a lady. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it, it basically by naming it act like a lady guaranteed that it was going to be girls only. And I, I mean, I do treasure like a lot of experiences that I had in settings with all women um, as a kid, because I do think that that can be really special, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, we just like looking back on it, it's, it's kind of, and it's kind of surprising that like a historical society, because the Haverhill historical society is like the, uh, overarching like organization that ran this camp um, at a museum in our town but it's kind of interesting to think that like they you know within the context of like knowing history like also were like yes this is going to be a very proper camp for young girls to act like ladies yeah um, right on the theme of act like a lady were they providing activities or hosting activities that were geared toward more educational, like historical moments or like how to be a present day lady? Like, were they teaching you manners as well? Like, what was that like? We learned how to sew. I remember doing that. And we would like all week kind of prepare for this tea party we were hosting at the end of the week. And we made calling cards, which is weird. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
we so we learned about that in historical context like what we're calling cards used for and why would people have them and then we made our own but what what could you explain a little bit more about that and like what information was on the calling card yeah so just like your it was like a business card <laughs> basically um so then we learned like women would go if in like leave their calling card somewhere if they wanted if they'd stop by someone's house and like wanted to talk to them or something got it okay cut this but i i once made myself calling cards when i first moved to new york <laughs> like i got them on etsy and they were literally like my name and phone number and like a little i think it had like a little b symbol which i liked at the time um and i would like if i met a guy at a bar instead of giving my number i would give him the card we're no we're absolutely (laughs) keeping this in we have to keep this in (laughs) it's a practical way to give someone your information Uh, (laughs) oh my god that is so funny Lindsay. but uh chrissy did your group do like a play also at the end of your okay so did we that was was just before the tea party started we put on play and then have you know the the sandwiches after and remember we made ice cream one year we would like churn it mm, <laughs> yes <laughs> um it was a weird week to just be like inside the windowless back room of the <laughs> historical society in like <laughs> the heat of summer and just like learn how to sew and stuff it was but I loved it like it, yeah. I keep coming back to that like I enjoyed it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was very interesting. We've talked to some other guests that have mentioned like these kind of not technically American Girl branded (laughs) like experiences, but because American Girl was so pervasive when we were young kids, like that things kind of got an American Girl spin on them, even if they weren't like pleasant company approved. And this was definitely (laughs) one of them. I remember on the last day of my camp a bunch of people brought like their dolls and stuff but that was like really the only interaction that we had with actual American Girl Mm -hmm. stuff oh Mm -hmm. except for I don't know if I don't know what your play was centered around Chrissy but my play was we were in like small groups and so my group did a play called Addie meets Josefina Stop it. Wait, That's amazing. please, please tell us more about this. I mean, there's not much to tell. I, and this is part of the reason why like my week at this camp was like, maybe not the best was I was like really little and there weren't like enough girls in my group that were the same age as me. So I definitely feel like if there had been like other girls, my age, I would have been a little happier but anyway so I was in a group with like a lot of older girls and so I obviously really wanted to be Josefina in the play and they were like no you can be Josefina's dad no <laughs> Laura no <laughs> yes so that's dad so <laughs> a young a young girl that's soul destroying <laughs> yes so I had to be Josefina's dad and I had like one line in the play um which was I can remember this actually very vividly so in the play one of the girls in my group who was playing Josefina the plot line was like we were moving somewhere like me her dad was picking up and moving somewhere with the family and 
one of Josefina's lines was like, I don't want to go to my new school. I want to stay at my old school. And then my line was just, well, you have to go. Oh, no. (laughs) Who wrote this play? We did as kids. Like, we put it together. (laughs) Oh, my God. I know. I know. And, you know, I just think I I felt like my talents weren't being put to good use because as Chrissy and I mentioned, like we were very creative in the performing we arts sector. Yeah. So I could have really contributed something more than what I was being asked to do. <laughs> right. Um, uh, but yeah, that was our play. Chrissy, was yours like more formal than that? I feel like we did one as a whole group. I don't remember yes. there being multiple, but I also don't think I had a big part like I wouldn't have wanted a big part in it like mm-hmm. like I said I was very shy and very anxious especially in groups of people whereas that like creative like side of me that that you know very well only came out like when we were together or when I was like in a smaller like setting so in that big group I, I wouldn't have wanted a big yeah. part and I'm totally fine with not having to really do anything or be be the center of attention or anything I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. have wanted that at all well, that's very merciful to the parents of your session that they didn't have multiple plays <laughs> because <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I can only imagine what they went through having to yeah. to do that. But yeah. Uh, yeah, what a fun time! I have some photos from the camp that I'll send you, Chrissy. After oh, really? this, yeah, <laughs> very interesting <laughs> photos. <laughs> Oh my God. All right, Chrissy, it was so great to hear from you and your different perspectives, especially on the historical books today, but would love to hear kind of your final thoughts on what lasting impression American Girl has left on you. Yeah, I think there's two things that really jump out at me. The first is, is an interest in history. Um, I've made a bit of a career of it. Um, I am a history teacher now, so I, I'm very critical of the stories and, and their nuanceless representations of history, but it definitely sparked an interest in me or fueled an already existing interest in history for me. Like I loved, you know, reading those books and learning the stories and everything. Um, and I've definitely carried that with me. And then the other thing is kind of this idea that it's, it's okay to be a headstrong woman who can stand up for what's right. I feel like the term headstrong tends to have negative connotations when it's used to describe women and especially young women. Um, And AG taught me that it's okay to feel strongly about something and speak up for what you believe in. Like that's never a bad thing. And growing up, I feel like I was made to feel like that was a bad thing, which I think is why I was so shy and quiet all the time. And to a certain extent now, I feel like being headstrong, you you feel like you're going against the grain sometimes. But yeah, it just kind of taught me that you're not a burden you're never over the top or you're, you're never too much for being headstrong or a nasty woman or whatever you want to call it. Like, um, I think that's why I liked them. I felt comfortable getting lost in the stories and, you know, they speak up. I think all of the girls speak up for, for what they believe in. And that's like, that's a really good characteristic. So I know, I know I've been on a rant for like the past hour about how the books aren't <laughs> critical enough, but if you put that aside, like you boil it down, all the girls are just growing up, navigating their respective time periods with this like stubborn can-do attitude and yeah I just think that that's something that really stuck with me it's something I've carried with me for sure beautifully said yeah that's so well said and I and I really love like the um perspective that you are able to give from a historical context there because I think it really is 
like interesting how you know American Girl was such a big part of your childhood Mm -hmm. and kind of like having that historical or like love for history follow you throughout your life at different points. I think that's very special. Mm -hmm. Do you have a specific focus? What's your specific focus as you teach history? Um, Do you mean like time period wise? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I like modern history, modern history most, um, but I'm definitely more of a social historian than anything else. So Mm -hmm. looking at history, like people's history and I think AG is really good for that because it's it's telling history through a narrative it's a story so you're not like it's not like military history or anything like that like you're you're right. learning you know you're learning it all in context and like can like the, the books have potential for that because it's not like you're learning about victory gardens through a textbook like you're you're learning about victory gardens and rations through Molly's experience of them or like you're learning about factory conditions through Samantha's friendship with Nellie like it's it's being told as a story rather than just as a fact or like a bullet point or something so that's how I try to teach history as well is through stories and through people no matter what time period it is Um, but definitely I'm more of a modern historian yeah what what age range do you teach um so I teach middle school and high school here so it's all um like six through 12 is all in the same building Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that because middle school is fun. Like it's a fun age group, but yeah. um, like, I don't think I would like to do just middle school. <laughs> high school is really fun as well. But like, again, I wouldn't want to do just high school. So having that right. range of ages is really fun. Yeah. It's just, it's a good mix. Very interesting. Shall we get into our two games, Lindsay? Let's do it. All right. I'm going to pull this up. All right, Chrissy, we are going to play a little game of word association to test, to test your memory on how well you remember the friends and family of our historic girls. So we are doing the originals here, Felicity, Kirsten, Addie, Josefina, Samantha, and Molly. And I'm going to read names to you and you have three seconds to match them up to their historic dolls. And this is going to be rapid fire. And if you need to skip someone, that is totally fine. All right. Gardner Edwards. Samantha. Annabelle Cole. Felicity. Auntie Lula. Addie. Emily Bennett. Molly. Mariana. Pass. Miss Manderley. Felicity. Singing Bird. Kirsten. Grand Mary. Uh, Samantha. Harriet Davis. Addie. Agatha Pitt. Samantha. Jiggy Nye. Felicity. <laughs> Harasita. Hospina. Gladys Guilford. Molly. Lars Larson. Kirsten. Marta. Oh, pass. Mrs. Ford. Molly. Allison Hargate. Molly. Magdalena. Josefina. Oh my God. You just did so well. I oh am like, my God. Streaming. <laughs> wow. wow. I don't know if that's a good thing or like a weird thing. To me we are that. impressed. <laughs> the only ones were, let's see. Um, Marta is Kirsten. That is her friend that oh. passes on the journey. Yes. Okay. Um, (laughs) And then who else? Mariana is Josefina. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like blanking. Was it Mrs. Ford? No, I said I th- Molly for that. I think I think those were the That's only Addie. two she passed on. That was Addie. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, that you just did. <laughs> I think you're our, our top contender in all of the episodes <laughs> that we've done, Chrissy. <laughs> You are the, the champion. Has paid off. <laughs> um, real quick, going to to Marta. Um, so, something I noticed about the Kirsten book when I was reading it was or listening to it was that um, it definitely doesn't address grief very well. That book, <laughs> like it's no. so weird. because Marta just dies very early on, and they like get rid of her over the side of the boat or whatever and Kirsten starts to cry and her dad is like stop crying and they never <laughs> reference it again in the right I traumatized recently... just hearing of that story <laughs> I recently so read that as well and thought the same yeah. like they just brush right past it yeah like and you think yeah. it would be like a recurring uh situation that comes up quite often yeah. but and, yeah just stop crying (laughs) that's it wow okay well my game is a little bit more of a subjective game Chrissy but you provided the list of two of your favorite celebrities to us before recording and I am going to ask you which doll you think that they should have so the first celebrity is Ina Garten which doll would the barefoot Contessa have (laughs) um okay so Ina is always turning up the volume isn't she mm-hmm. and she's entertaining and surprising her friends like with home cooked meals and stuff so I feel like she would be a Kirsten because Ooh. of that that one time in the book where she surprised her family with the St. Lucia Day traditions and she worked really hard to do that and make that happen for her family and I feel like she took such care in that. And that's something that Ina would do. Just like make a nice time for everyone and like make a surprise and make it like, like put in a lot of work to make something happen. Right, exactly. Like yeah. Kirsten is surprising her family for St. Lucia Day <laughs> and Ina is surprising Rob Marshall, the director in the Hampton <laughs> the birthday party. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I love that answer. And I think that you justified it very well. I think that there is an element of Kirsten's characteristic that's very like attention to, you know, what makes people, what can like really make something special for people. So I think that that is a very good match. Second celebrity, Julie Andrews. Jules. (laughs) Uh, I think, I think Julie would be a Samantha because she's very proper, but also like not afraid to speak up for herself or what she believes is right. I feel like Julie definitely would have been a suffragette back in the day. Yes. Um, so I, I think she'd fit with Samantha. Totally. I also think that Julie Andrews would be a great contender to play Grand Mary if they ever did a <laughs> remake of the Samantha movie. <laughs> Grand wow. Mary. Yes. As, as scary as Grand Mary is she she comes around at the end there to women's suffrage and I think that's like a real moment of growth that needs to be recognized <laughs> um, she she was so against it for so long and then at the end she changed her mind and <laughs> I think that's great 
Yeah, we love we love to see growth at a yeah. uh, for a woman of Grand Mary's age. I think it's yeah. very <laughs> important to note that she did grow. These were great answers. I love the celebrities you chose because they're two of my favorites as well. I and I think I had a, a burning question about especially who Ina Garten would have. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that we have been able to finally put that question to rest. Yeah, we got to the bottom of that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, this was so much fun. Chrissy, thank you so much for joining us today. You were an exceptional guest to have on AGW please let everyone know where they could find you after this. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. And I can be found publicly on Twitter at, um, at Miss Accardi. So at M I S S underscore A C C A R D I. Wonderful. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Well, this was so fun. Um, and I'm so glad we got a chance to really do a deep dive into the book. So Chrissy, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to American Girl Women. For more AG Women content, follow us on IG at American Girl Women or send us your American Girl stories via AmericanGirlWomen at gmail.com. We might just read them on the pod. If you like this podcast, tell your friends and rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts.